is pull out the repertoire and say, oh, we're going to learn about a man, fell into a fish, got puked up, you know. <laughs> it's not that. Now, your kids are learning that today, okay? But not that part. Uh, we do talk about the puke because it gets their attention. But, you know, we're gonna, the book of Jonah is in the Bible because God said it should be there. God decided what books go into this book. And if it's in there, it's in there for a reason. And I've got to say, when I get to heaven and I see Jonah, I'm going to give him a huge high five because he laid his life out transparently before us. And he messed up multiple, multiple times. And he didn't mind that God decided to put a story in that book. And by the way, we don't do Sunday school here. We do church with our kids, okay? We don't have tired old teachers. We have teachers of every age who are so excited and they tell those kids about Jesus and they're often the ones who bring people into this church of every height, okay? So let's just get that straight, okay? I will say if you're a parent and your kid comes home with blue lips, I'm sorry, but they had yeah, blue jello to remind them of the water and uh, uh, Jonah, cra you know, whale crackers for, well, I'll never eat a Teddy Graham the same again because it reminds me of Bible characters, so. Anyway, we're going to read about Jonah. We're going to actually read the whole chapter. It's not that long. It's one of those short books in the Bible, but it's very powerful. So Jonah chapter 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn it on or open it up, whatever you do. And we're going to read the living Word of God that's going to change our lives today. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of uh, that guy, and he said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked this people are. But Jonah got up, and he went in the opposite direction to get away from God. He's a smart dude, isn't he? That's why they made a VeggieTale movie about him. You know you're all thinking it in your head right now. <laughs> he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord had hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the, can you hear the wind? It's on the ship right now. <laughs> Am I good or what? You know, you get your kids pastor up here, you're going to get sound effects and everything. <laughs> Woo, yeah. Water, you know. At least I didn't bring water guns to shoot you down, okay? It's all good. <laughs> okay. But all this time he was sleeping. Okay, the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Wow. <laughs> Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Wow, okay. Okay, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea. He did not get the good package on this cruise, let me tell you that. Huh. So he said, oh, throw me into the sea. It will become calm again. I know that this storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Wow. 
Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Wow, what a story, okay? The first thing we can see about this whole thing is that God is already there. Wherever you're turning around to, God is already there. Did you notice he was going, supposed to go to Nineveh? So he turned and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He hoped to escape from the Lord by going to Tarshish. So here's the thing. God, Jonah expected God to be in the very place where God told him to go. Wouldn't you think that's the place to be? Why do we do that? I'm talking to me. <laughs> Why do we go? When God says go somewhere, no, he didn't say go to Mexico. Don't you even think about that. <clears throat> This is for me, this whole message. I know it is. Okay, why do we say when God says to go somewhere, if he says to go there, isn't he going to be there? He says, it's his plan. He speaks his word over it. That's where he is. It says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. If God says to go, he's going to be there. Don't we want to be where God is? I think so. So here's the cool thing about God. He's omnipresent, right? That means he's everywhere all the time. He wasn't tricked by Jonah's move. He didn't, God didn't show up in him and go, Oh, where's Jonah? Where's my little prophet? I'm so surprised. He didn't say that. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. It's not some kind of divine, holy chess game we play with God where we try to outmaneuver him. Thank goodness for that. God knows right where he is. He even lets Jonah get on the boat. No issues with his visa. His credit card went right through. He bought the ticket. He bought the ticket. God let him buy it. God's like, okay, you buy that ticket. Go ahead, buddy. You buy that ticket. He used his well-earned money. I don't think prophets made or make a lot of money. Used it all up, bought a ticket. He even told the guys where he was going. I'm running from God. Like they're going to help him or something, right? Oh, we'll look on our radar for that. So he thinks he escapes God, gets on board, goes to take a nap, goes down in the hold. To me, that sounds like a hiding kind of move. If I'm on a cruise, I'm going to be out on the deck getting some sun while I nap. Jonah's down in the hold, and he's sleeping. Who sleeps when you're in this kind of a situation? Probably somebody. We already know Jonah had an intense hatred for the people of Nineveh. They were atrocious. Their behavior was awful. And he was really mad that he had to go there and tell them about God because he knew God would save him. So he goes down and takes a nap. Maybe he was depressed about the whole thing. Maybe he was angry and trying to hide it out. He probably knew something was about to go down. I'm going to take a nap. He's down there anyway, okay? So God's already there anyhow. It said God sent a powerful wind. And the wind created a storm. God is in all of our everywheres. Everywhere. God is there. We really can't escape him. And I don't know why we would want to. Well, I think we know why sometimes. And we might not be able to see all the answers to his plan, like why, how, I mean, when, about your plan, God. I don't, but you know what, I don't really know we could handle the information. If we knew why God said or how, I just don't think we could handle it. I mean, look at the info we get now about things and how we handle it. Not good. If we, you ever hear somebody say, wow, if I'd known it was going to happen that way, whew, you know? I don't think we can handle all the info. We just need to know God said go and go and then he'll reveal the next step. His plan is always better. And this is a verse your children are learning today. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. They are to prosper you, give you hope and a future. Your plan, the plan God has for you, is not for your detriment. 
It is good for you. Do you remember as a parent when you have a plan for your child and you know it's going to be for their good, but for them in the moment it stinks and they don't want to do it and they run the opposite way? Like you can't see them? Same thing with God. He has a plan for you. He has a hope and he will prosper you. Another thing about a turnaround is our turnaround affects others. This can have a good or a bad effect on others. When we sin or we make wrong choices, bad decisions, it affects more than just us. Sin or righteousness, bad decisions or good decisions, impact people around us in the now and in the future. Secondhand sin, secondhand bad decisions can be worse on those around us. We, in the meantime, have cleared it up with God and they're still fumbling around with, oh, this is awful, why did they do this? You know, and it affects the generations. Um, even I tell my children, I said, what if I hadn't married your dad? Where would you be? <laughs> right? I mean, for as long as I can remember being here, people were trying to match me up with people. I kept telling them, when we have a building, I'll get married. You know, that was dangerous to say. It took a while, but um, people kept trying to match us up. Pastor Sarah and I would sit around with Aunt Bo, and we would make our list. What do we want in a husband? And I have to tell you, everything on that list came true. Okay? But if I had decided to go with so-and-so, said, oh, I know somebody for you, uh, wouldn't have been the right thing for me, for my future, for my children, for those people's people, okay? Moving decisions, job decisions, I mean, just the things of life affect other people. When we move, we've only, we've only moved one place and that, out of town, and that was to Omaha, and we decided, ha, woo, I'm a homebody, if you can't tell, and we moved to Omaha. I've lived in Lincoln my whole life. We moved there, but we still made this our church, and we really had to really work that in, and because we were going to be committed where we were, but we felt God did not say to leave this church, so we didn't move any farther from Omaha. Okay, because we can still drive back and forth. Uh, we thought about, you know, if we ever move farther away than that, uh, that affects our kids. I mean, who knows where they're going to grow up and move to and meet and marry and where they're supposed to be. Okay, when Jonah made this decision, it affected other people. Okay, and when we make decisions to turn around or not turn around, it affects other people. Jonah's bad decision put those sailors at risk for their very lives. At the very least, they had to lose some of their possessions, had to throw them overboard to lighten the load. But guess what? Thankfully, his very last act brought them to the Lord. We don't have to be perfect from the get-go to affect other people for Jesus. We don't have to wait till we've been on a three-month streak with our Bible app that we've read the Word every day. Oh, my little lightning bolt showed up. I've been reading the Bible for four weeks in a row. Now I can go witness to somebody. Turn it around and go witness to somebody at the store. Turn it around and lead your family. Turn it around and serve right here. Turn it around and go into that new thing on your job or pursue that dream that God put into your heart. Because when we turn around, it's like we're forging a new pathway. We're creating a current so that others can be brought along with us. It says in Revelations 12, 11, they overcame him with the word of their testimony. Your testimony is what God has done to change something in your life. You're not testifying, hey, I've been trudging along in this thing that's not really God's will for three years. Yay! No, it's God changed something in my life and I turned around and look what he did. That's your testimony that will affect other people. Jonah admitted to those sailors it was his fault. They should throw him overboard. When they finally did, that raging sea became calm at once and they were awestruck by the power of God. They decided to serve the Lord. They didn't know God. They were calling out to their own gods the whole time. But it says they made a vow and they decided to serve God. Okay? When we decide to do what God's called us to do, it's an amazing thing to see all the people around us who will be affected for good. You watch and see. 
All right, another thing about this turnaround we're going to make, it's a spiritual perspective. And just on Friday, I was watching Pastor Jerry's message. I'm like, oh, I was going to say that too. But it's a spiritual perspective. He talked about that. But it's true. When you look at those guys with Jonah, and they're trying to figure out it's his fault, and then what do they do? They ask him question after question after question. Uh, what's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And they're looking at all the physical things that they can see that might be the problem. Isn't that our tendency, is to ask those kind of questions? But there are two-dimensional questions. We're three-dimensional people. We're spirit as well, okay? And it says in Ephesians that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness, okay? So that means that our perspective has to change. That means that when we're dealing with things every day, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual root. Now, I'm not saying to ignore or not feel anything that's happening or to not acknowledge that anything's happening or you can see with your eyes or not to any of that stuff. I'm not saying that. See it. But I'm saying go deeper and go into the spiritual. We get so distracted with all this stuff. You know, I've been off social media and the news for a week and it's awesome. But I don't. But you have to get beyond that stuff. You have to see what's the spiritual part because the enemy loves to distract with our physicalness and our emotions and we get all distracted and we can't ignore those things but they got to be in line and priority. It's a spiritual thing first. And if there's something happening out there, or in here, or in here, your family, you got to see what's the spiritual root of that thing and go after that. That means knowing what the Word says. That means prayer. It's a spiritual battle. And we, we all could see our need for a Savior. If our world could see the necessity of obeying God, because when we do, He blesses us. If we could see God's commands to love Him and love our neighbor, that's all He said to do. Love God, love your neighbor. If we were all walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see what needs to be prayed, and we can have discernment for people. I mean, that's uh, you could go up to somebody in the store, and there's something going on with them. But you don't know what's going on in their heart, but God could reveal it to you, and you could pray for them. And we don't allow a spirit of division to come. Those are all spiritual things that we have to be aware of. So they asked Jonah, what line of work? What's your country? What's your nationality? Nothing new under the sun, huh? Yeah, we didn't see nothing new around here. The Bible's seen it all. Jonah stood there swaying on that wave crash deck in a pivotal moment, and he could decide to blame his work or his family or his whatever or he could decide to turn it around take responsibility and then point toward God as the one who's in charge of everything and that's what he did admitted he was wrong but then he began to point those people those men to God and do you notice it's just such a spiritual moment right there he is standing on the thing you know how kids kind of like always take the push the blame on somebody else they don't take it okay and we do too maybe I don't you know but Jonah's standing there and he has a choice to make and he decides to say yep it was me but I serve a God. He's admitting, I serve God. And not only I serve God, but my God is in charge of this crazy water, and he's in charge of the land we want to get to, and he's in charge of it all. And he began to point them to God. It was a spiritual moment. He didn't stop and say, well, let's, let's try to figure this out. What could we do? He was pointing it to God because God was the answer. 
God is not going to force us to turn around. He doesn't force us. It's not like you're sitting, you know that when you take driver's ed and the instructor has the pedal over there on his side? Yeah, when I took driver's ed, they used to do it at the East High parking lot. There's a huge tower. They could talk to you and all the people in their cars could hear what you did wrong. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, you got your driver uh, instructor. Is Roger Carmichael here today? He's a great guy for this. I don't think he'd ever do this, but that guy's over there pounding the, you know, the pedal, the brake pedal. God is not like that. God is not going to put the brakes on you. He gives you full and total control of what you're doing. Okay? You know the song says, Jesus, take the wheel? It didn't say Jesus grabbed the wheel and ripped it out of my hands. It does not say that. You have to give it to God. If you want to make a turnaround, you got to get in cahoots with God and you can turn it around. He is always there to meet you right where you are. All right, another point about this thing is that we have to die to self. Hard, isn't it? Not on Memorial Day weekend. Gee whiz. Did you know all I had planned to do? Sorry. Most likely, though, here's the thing. You're probably not going to be thrown off the side of a ship and land in a whale. Most likely. Unless you're on some kind of, like, whale wars. Is that what's on Netflix right now? Whale wars? Yeah. You might be careful if you go on there. But most likely, God is not going to do it. He's not asking you to strike a titanic pose. He's not asking your family to kick you off the island. But the key is this. This is the key. We have to be willing to die to self, which means to deny yourself. Something that's taken the place of God. Maybe it's just for a time. Maybe it's something to cut out forever. Maybe it's a lifestyle change. Maybe it's a pattern that changes in your day-to-day. Maybe it's priorities are shifting around to a different way. Maybe something has a stronghold on your life that needs to be broken. But whatever it is that's keeping you from turning around and going in the direction God called you to go, we have to be willing to give that up and take God's lead on the next step. I think my problem is that I'm not a morning person, and I don't like coffee. Two strikes right there. To get me out of bed, I'm kind of picturing the whole Jonah scenario, you know? Kids, dust and grab an ankle, grab a wrist, and just throw me out. Because you, it's just that thing has a stronghold over me, that darn bed. So find out what it is. Ask God to help you get rid of it. Because I'm telling you, the next step could be uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. It could be messy. It could be smelly. That whale gut Jonah was sitting in didn't smell good. Like, it didn't smell like roses, let me tell you. And can you picture it? Fish heads floating by. You know, stomach juices all over the place. Maybe some coral reef here and there. Jonah is sitting in it. You know, sometimes you feel like we're sitting in it. Do you know what I'm saying? We're sitting in it. But Jonah came out of it with a new determination and a new heart to obey God. You know, those three days Jonah was in there have been very, uh, you could compare them to the three days Jesus was in the tomb. Yeah? Three days. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus came to do. Three days Jesus was in the tomb. Three days Jonah was in that fish. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a life-giving work in our lives. But we have to be willing to deny ourselves, our traits, our personality, our desire, our agenda, our likes, our addictions, our shortcomings, our desire to talk a certain way, to defend ourselves, our, to deny whatever, good or bad. Good or bad. So that here's the good part. You can cheer. 
that God can resurrect and raise up within inside of us his traits, his personality, his desires, his agenda, his likes, his way of talking, his way of putting others first, his, his, his. And guess what? It's so much better. It's so much better because that's who we were created to be in the first place. We're created in his image. So it's no surprise we're going to do things like he does. And his ways are best. You're not going to lose anything. It's so hard to turn around when we're dragging all that stuff behind us, right? We're trying to turn. We're getting tripped up and all this stuff we're trying to take along. And just today, just say no to it. Just say, I'm letting go. I'm turning around. Sometimes it's hard to let go and to let go of control, isn't it? Oh, it's so hard. But God is good. He's not going to leave you. We don't have to wait until we get to some kind of point on our path that's like a turnaround spot, you know, like, you know, you'd want to turn. You don't have to wait for something along the path that's going to help cut that thing off of you so you can turn. You just turn around. Let it go. That's not a Disney song, I promise. <laughs> Another point is to worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. So key. Jonah prayed in that whale belly. He began to pray, and he actually got kind of poetic. I don't know if it was the smell or what, but he started talking about seaweed, and it's wrapped around his head, and he sang to the roots of the mountains, and it's very symbolic in Hebrew song when they talk about waters that are overwhelming. It represents a crushing sorrow. And I don't know if you've been in that place or you're there now, but you can turn around. God can turn it around for you. And you, and you think about it too, he was actually at the bottom. You think about the physical pressure actually of being at the bottom. And seaweed, it, in, it actually does entangle you. It's known to entangle. And it's known for the quality of the more you fight it, the more it tangles you up. We know that feeling? Yeah, the more we try to fight stuff or try to do stuff, it just gets harder and worse. And Jonah began to pray and he began to talk to God. God still heard him in the whale. God hears us to the very end. God made that whale. He can hear Jonah. He arranged for the whale to come get him. He could hear Jonah. And Jonah began to pray. It says in Jonah, too, that he remembered the Lord. As his life was slipping away, he remembered the Lord. It wasn't that he was in a panic mode. What am I going to do? He wasn't starting to think about all the things he had done in his life. He uh, wasn't thinking about those sailors up there. And are they going to post that picture of me going overboard? He was just not worried about it. He wasn't worried about all the things he had yet to do. Or maybe his failing. How am I going to breathe for any much longer? Uh, he wasn't. He was thinking about the Lord. Sound like a song we sang? We're going to sing it again a little bit, so get ready. He was thinking about the Lord, and it was just him and his God. Just them. There's times in life where we've tried everything else, and it doesn't work. We've tried our own efforts, even to serve God or follow him, or do something amazing at work, or lead our family, or accomplish that dream, and it just doesn't work. Or maybe it's been worth where things or, or situations or people have disappointed us. It didn't turn out how we thought it would. And now it's just us and our God. Yeah. But God was with Jonah in that ocean depth and he's with you. You're never alone. Again, the choir sang it for us. You're never alone. I felt that so strongly to tell us that you are never alone. You are never alone. God is with you at all times. The seaweed may be wrapping you up. You might be sinking to the root of some mountain. And maybe you're just really wet. 
You haven't sunk yet, but it's not over. It is not over. God sent that whale, and Jonah saw and realized that that thing was there to save his life. As he was sinking down, and he realized that that whale came and swallowed him whole. He was crushed, but not destroyed. Thank you. He was crushed, but not destroyed. That whale, or whatever it was, I shouldn't say whale, it's some kind of sea creature. They're very huge. I mean, some of them, enough you could park a minivan inside, for real. There's that much space in there. God sent that thing for him. But he died to self first, didn't he? Whale came. He began to worship the Lord. He began to praise God. You can read Jonah too. It begins, gets into his prayer. It's a worshipful prayer. He realized that God was in the details. He had a revelation, a revelation that God is in the mess. Yes. God is in the mess. God doesn't have to be not involved in your life until you're all cleaned up. He's there with you in the mess. And he had a heart realization that turning his back had gotten him into this predicament. And he began to see, once again, because I'm sure he knew this, that what God wants is a sacrifice of praise. Yes, yes. He wants our praise. That talks about having a lifestyle of worship. A lifestyle of calling out in thankfulness to God. A hard attitude. A prayerfulness about us that we can say, God, I see you for who you are and I worship you. You saved my life. I can see that and I give you the praise. I can praise him in the hard times. And a lot of times it means to actually sing it out. Have you ever found yourself singing? And if you're not a singer, how uncomfortable that can be? Or if you're a singer, go sing somewhere out on the street. See how comfortable you are. Sometimes when we begin to sing, it comes outside of ourselves. And it begins to put our focus on to God and how big he is. Yes, yes. And how small the other stuff is. It is a sacrifice. Denies ourselves, and it puts God on the throne. God also wants obedience. It says in Matthew 7.24, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Obedience comes out of a relationship with God. Hearts that are thankful to him no matter what, good or bad. We carry out the things he asks us to do and we trust him. If we can understand everything about God and have a control over that, would he be God? No, but we trust him. We trust him. And when Jonah responded to God, moving in his circumstances, Jonah began to experience change. He began to experience a turnaround. He began to see differently what he really wanted to seek and what he wanted to do. And God said, go. He began to say, yeah, I really, I'm going to go. He began to see changes in his circumstances. You know, I'm sinking in the mountains here, the roots of the mountains, but I am safe in here. God has protected me. I am okay. And he began to change his heart, began to change. His eyesight, his perspective began to change. And God was able to then remove from Jonah that thing that was keeping him from turning around. God won't force himself on you ever. He won't make changes in you, but our God is able. Our God is able. Let's not deny his power. That's right. Let's not doubt him when he says something to us to do. Something, and you're like, really? God, for sure. Just obey and trust him. We can't figure it out. We just got to do it. And I'll tell you what, start in the small things and begin to realize that was a God moment. That was a God moment. I obeyed. And this is what happened. I obeyed. That's what happened. And you begin to go from glory to level to everything else and up you go. 
You can be what God called you to be. You can do what he called you to do. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Our God closed the mouths of the lions. Our God calmed the storm. Our God heals all our diseases. Our God provides for all we need. Our God never sleeps. He's never tired. He is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our perspective cannot be based on where we are or how we feel because often it's in a messy place. Our perspective is not based on the external. And maybe we need a periscope, and that's called the Bible, to give you the right perspective. We need to know what this says because it tells you who your God is. And it tells you what he can do. Our perspective, we need to look up to God. If we're looking down at where we're trying to go or get or be, we're out here even a little bit, we need to look up to God. And that's the power of worship. It allows us to look up. It takes us off the mess and gives us a new perspective. Psalm 40, 40 verse 2 says, the last part of it says, He set my feet on solid ground. <laughs> right? And he steadied me as I walked along. We're going to sing that song again in just a minute. You guys can come on up. Because when God says he will set our feet on solid ground and he will turn us around, that's when we've come to a point and we've said, God, I'm ready to turn around. I'm ready to go forward. I will not be stolen from any more of those dreams, that health, that family, that relationship. I will go forward with God. He will turn it. It's in the Bible. We don't just make these songs up and sing them. They're in the Bible. They're in there. Now the first thing though that has to happen, we're going to sing the song in just a minute. And when we're done singing it, we're going to begin to worship. And we're going to shout to God. That word hallelujah is so key. And you're going to shout to God and just cry your heart out to him. Releasing those things to him that you need to let go of. Telling him, I want to turn around. I'm ready to go forward. And you know what that forward means. If that's yes. for your personal self, if that's for your health, if that's to get more involved here, if that's to get more involved in the community, because I'm telling you, time is ticking, and we need to do something for God. If that's for your family or a relationship, you're turning it around today. Your perspective is changing today, right? Thank you, oh God. Now the, and the first thing we're going to pray, though, everybody, let's just bow our heads for a moment, because before